welcome to Conversations About Life. Well, thanks, Tim, for being a guest with me Thank on you, the podcast. Will for, thank you, Will, for having me. Appreciate it. So I, I remember you from radio back when you were here in the St. Louis area, mm-hmm. and um, the billboards around town said, Talk Radio, Hell Hates. Right. <laughs> and you and Al Gross were um, the morning people, right. the morning show. Right, right. And so... I guess, as far as an introduction, um, how, how did you get into radio? Well, um, my dad was a Baptist minister, okay. and uh, I'm the oldest of six kids, and uh, I, I rebelled. I uh, uh, barely made it through high school. I had a form of dyslexia. They didn't know what it was back then. They'd say, if you apply yourself, you can do it. And, I'd try, I'd, I'd start reading, I'd read a couple pages and, and fall asleep. And uh, if it weren't for Keith Longberg, who used to attend our church, who was my English lit teacher, uh, he attended Second Baptist at one time, uh, giving me a D minus on my final exam, I would have failed the 12th grade. Well, I applied at uh, Columbia Bible College, where my Uncle George had gone, in Columbia, South Carolina. And... Uh, I failed every course my freshman semester except uh, choir. And I talked to the dean of men at, at the end of the semester. He said, uh, you can continue on the second semester, but if you do just as poorly, we'll, we'll have to ask you to leave. Or you can come back in a year. I says, I'll come back in a year. Well, uh, I joined the Air Force instead. And uh, my... Uh, my best friends in the service were, were Jews and blacks because they had a sense of humor. I mean, we were the only table that was integrated in, in Wiesbaden. I was in Japan first, Misawa, Japan, and then uh, Wiesbaden. And uh, you'd have the blacks over there and the whites over there. It wasn't forced that way. That's just the way they, that it was. And I really loved these guys. Well, when Dr. King was killed <clears throat> in uh, 1968, the city started burning back here in the United States. And I had another friend there who said the problem is the Jews and the blacks. We get rid of the Jews and send the blacks back to Africa, we won't have any more problem. Well, I stupidly started receiving material from the American Nazi Party and started believing it. I didn't hate my friends, but I hated the Jews and the blacks out there. And uh, I ended up uh, getting kicked out of the service, general discharge under honorable conditions. I had extended 18 months to go to Germany, but they canceled that and they cut me off. And uh, I got kicked out, and uh, uh, I was going to join the American Nazi Party before George Lincoln Rocco was killed. My first reaction was when he was killed, when he was shot, I thought, those dirty Jews. And then I found out that he'd been killed by his right-hand man, a cartoonist for the Stormtrooper magazine. Well, I went home, and I was talking to my Baptist preacher father about how the Jews own this and the Jews own that. Dad listened very patiently. When I was finished, he said, Tim, a person cannot be a Christian and hate the Jews. I said, how come? He says, Jesus is Jewish. And then I heard another pastor say, every spiritual blessing we have, we owe to our Jewish Jewish friends. If it weren't for our Jewish friends, we'd have no patriarchs, no prophets, no disciples, no Bible, no Messiah. Jesus himself said, salvation is of the Jews. So then I fell in love with Israel. 
in the Jewish people. And I was doing an interview with Pat Buchanan, who had run for president, uh, but he had always been pretty hostile towards Israel. And I said, Pat, I agree with a lot of what you stand for, but I disagree with your stand on Israel. He said, oh, really? And a guy called up. He says, Tim, I think you love Israel more than you love the United States. If we were in a war with Israel, who would you side with? I thought, what a great question. I said I'd side with Israel. He said, see, that's what I'm talking about. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I said, uh, sir, the Bible says, and this is where the Lord takes over, you know. I said, sir, the Bible says in Zechariah 12:3, the whole world will come against Israel and God will side with Israel. Now, whose side would you want to be on? And he hung up. And I look back at that and I, I look at uh, Acts 4:13. Uh, it talks about the Sanhedrin when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men. They marveled and took knowledge of the fact that they had been with Jesus. I thought, that's the Lord. I did not have that written down in front of me. And so um, I, uh, uh, you were asking me how I got into radio. I just wanted to give that other part there first. But uh, I, um, I, I, I rededicated my life to the Lord. I went to Bob Jones University then in, uh, in Greenville, South Carolina, and then ended up getting kicked out for drinking two cans of cold 45. Well, I thought, I'll go to New York City and try to make it in voiceovers, reading commercials. So, <clears throat> excuse me, I went to New York City. I did a little voice work, didn't get much done. And I was going to Porno Flex on 42nd Street and, and uh, getting drunk. I had an apartment in Greenwich Village on 20, 27 West 11th Street between 5th and 6th Avenues. And uh, one day I said to the Lord, I said, how do I know what your will is? What do I flip open the Bible? You want me to go to Nineveh? I don't know what you want me to do. The very next day, March 6th, 1970, I was walking uh, down the apartment, uh, down, uh, I'd left Lou Chow's restaurant where I worked as a reservation clerk at 14th Street and Union Square. I was walking to my apartment on West 11th Street, and all of a sudden the house to the left of me, the townhouse to the left of me blew up. And a huge chunk of cement zipped by my head. And the Lord spoke to me, not audibly, but in my spirit. He said, you either come back now or you don't come back at all. I said, I'm coming back. I went to my apartment. I came out an hour later. They had the street barricaded off. I told a police officer uh, what, had, what had happened, how close I came to getting killed. He said, you don't know how lucky you are. He said, a couple hours, an hour ago, they discovered 66 sticks of dynamite, dried, capped, ready to go. If that had gone off, the whole block could have gone up. And I thought, wow. And so uh, I said, Lord, I'm, I'm going to send off my audition tape to three different Christian stations. If I'm accepted at any one of the three, I'll go. But if I'm not accepted... On Judgment Day, you can't tell me that you wanted me for Christian service. Now, I shared that with Jack O'Dell later on at Unshackled. He said, blackmailing God, huh? Well, maybe maybe it was, but I was desperate. I wanted to know what the Lord wanted me to do. I didn't hear from two of the stations, and I was sitting on my, my bed just recording uh, three minutes of, you know, news. And uh, But I heard from WMBI in Chicago, Moody Bible Institute Station, which is where my parents had met. And uh, Mr. Bailey said, uh, we'll, uh, we'll give you 25 to 30 hours a week, $3 an hour. Would you accept it? I said, yes. He said, do you have your FCC license? I said, no. He said, you have to have that before we bring you on. I said, I'll take the test next uh, uh, Monday, and I'll let you know one way or the other whether or not I pass the test. So Sunday night, 
that the test back then it was uh, a third class license for a license. It was uh, three elements: elements one, two, and nine. Elements one and two were uh, common sense. Element nine was technical. Twenty questions to each element, multiple choice. You had to get seventy um, percent of each element correct. If you failed one element, you failed the whole test, and you had to wait another two months before you could take it again. So I waited till Sunday night to study for the test, and I was having such a hard time reading and everything. And and uh, so I can read it out loud. I mean, if I, if I read it out loud, I can read it. But it was one I would, you know, just read it with my eyes. And uh, I thought, I'll, I'll take a little Jack Daniels. Maybe that'll help me study. Well, Jack Daniels did not help you study. I fell asleep. Went to take the test the next day, and I told the fellow, uh, the testing site, I have to let this radio station know today whether or not I passed the test. He said, well, good luck. So I sat down. I zipped through elements one and two, and element nine, I just, I just shook my head. I thought, oh, man. And I just started guessing. I took the test up to the fellow. He looked at element one, made a check, laid it down, looked at element two, made a couple of checks, laid it down, looked at element nine. He said, look at question four. He hands it to me. I have no idea what the answer is. And I went, oh, man. Checked the box, handed it back to him. He said, look at question seven. He hands it to me. I went, oh, wow. I'm guessing again. I check another box, hand it back to him. He said, uh, look at question 11. He hands it to me. I went, oh, man. I checked another box, handed it to him. He said, look at question 14. He says, you're on the verge of extinction. I said, I realize that. He hands it to me. I checked the box. He said, that's still wrong. Hands it to me. I checked another box. He says, you can tell me you passed. And I walked off. Wow. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Well, the day I was going to have to take a bus on Monday to get to uh, to start work on Wednesday uh, in, in Chicago. And uh, I had a week's vacation pay coming. I had nothing saved up. Uh, week's vacation pay, which would have been $110, and that's about what it was going to cost the, the, uh, for the bus fare and a place to stay when I, when I got to Chicago. And I went into Mr. Leipe, who never really liked me. He was the manager at uh, Luchow's at the time. I'd worked there for a year. I had $110 coming, vacation pay. I said, Mr. Leipe, I have to leave this afternoon for Chicago. I'd like my vacation pay, please. He said, you'll have to wait two weeks. I said, I can't wait two weeks. I have to leave this afternoon. You'll have to wait two weeks. And I'm walking back to my apartment. I said, Lord, if you want me there, you've got to provide a way. I don't know what to do. I had already given notice for my room. I checked my mail. And there was a check from Appleton Century Croft. I had done some voice work for them for teacher's cassettes for $110. I said, Lord, thank you. I get to Chicago. I meet Mr. Bailey. He says, just a couple of questions we have before we bring you on. He said, how long were you in the Air Force? Well, a lot of guys get early outs after three years and nine months. But I had extended 18 months to go to, to, go to Germany. And uh, he didn't ask me what time what type of discharge I got. He said, how long were you in the Air Force? I said, three years and nine months. Then he said, why did you leave Bob Jones? I thought, oh, man. When they find out I was kicked out for drinking, they don't allow drinking here at Moody Bible Institute. Uh, they're not going to hire me. But then I thought, if I lie and they find out later, I could lose my job for that. And if the Lord wants me here, he's going to open that door. And I looked right at him and I said, Mr. Bailey, I was kicked out of Bob Jones for drinking two cans of cold 45. And there was a long pause. He said, okay, I'll take you upstairs to meet Mr. Christensen, Mr. Neff. And that's, uh, that's what got me into radio. And that was a half, 51 years ago, 1970. Wow. Man, oh, man. And that's basically been your career since then? Yeah, mm-hmm, yeah, that's it, yeah. And uh, uh, I, was, uh, I was there for a year at WMBI, and I was 
uh, uh, pulling a lot of practical jokes. And uh, uh, my, my job had been threatened. And uh, I got a call one day from uh, Billy Graham station manager down in, in uh, North Carolina and uh, Dick Jensen. And uh, he said, uh, Bev Shea, who sings with Billy Graham, lives in Western Springs, Illinois. He used to work for WMBI. And he's heard you, and we need somebody to read the news for Dr. Graham on Sunday morning. Uh, would you be interested? I said, yes. And so that, that opened the door for me to, to work there. And uh, it's just, just amazing how God just opens the doors, you know. So... Um, so you were um, you grew up in a Christian home. Your dad right. was a, a pastor, right? Yeah. And um, but then you said you, you kind of rebelled against that. In, yeah. What, during your teenage years, or? teenage years. In fact, uh, uh, I remember one time we were um, going into pulling into a gas station, and we were in the Plymouth station wagon, and uh, uh, Dad said, uh, "Tim, get a gospel track out of the glove compartment for our gas station attendant friend." And I said, do we have to hand a track to everybody? Well, here I am a million tracks later. You know, <laughs> train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he'll not depart from it. I just thought, wow. And my dad had two Christian bumper stickers on the Plymouth Station Wagon. I even remember trying to peel the Jesus Saves sticker, because in the third seat in the Plymouth Station Wagon, you would face uh, traffic coming from the rear. And I remember trying to peel that sticker off. I was so embarrassed. I said, Dad, don't pick me up at school, please. Well, I now have uh, 41 bumper stickers and magnets on my on my car, and uh, and it's not to just not to show off, but I think, you know, there might be somebody on the verge of suicide, uh, following my car, and they see this bumper sticker that uh, Russ Fiedler, who's from St. Louis, uh, ChristianBumperStickers.com, dot uh, org rather, uh, has put together. It says ignoring Jesus is like ignoring. A Titanic's lifeboat, you know, and then next to it is the Ray Comfort, uh, Ray Comfort website, fullyfreefilms.com, seen by millions. So I never know. I've come out of stores and seen people reading the bumper stickers on my car and, and the magnets, and uh, you know, uh, another one, feminist Susan B. Anthony said abortion is the horrible crime of child murder. Somebody thinking of. Aborting their child, they see that, you know. And then some of the quotes I gave earlier about uh, what uh, Theodore Roosevelt said about the Bible, the thorough knowledge of the Bible is worth more than a college education. Uh, these are things that kids will not see in their history books in school. And uh, uh, it's just a, a thrill to know that, you know, here's, here's this wonderful man. That dad, My dad was the greatest man who ever lived next to Jesus. Um, instead of saying, shut up to me, he would say, Tim, is it necessary to, to be talking all the time? Or he'd say, it's not necessary to be talking all the time. And mom and dad were the, the complete opposite. I remember uh, one time we were all at a stoplight, and this gorgeous lady crosses in front of us uh, it, with a low-cut dress. And we're all looking at dad to see what his reaction is going to be. And dad says, that lady's going to catch cold. And my mother turns to my dad and says, Henry, she's half naked. And I look at that and I think, wow. For a while, I hated my mother growing up because she was always yelling at me. Henry, he's provoking the girls. It's a miracle she didn't shoot me, looking back. Uh, 
but it took uh, a, a, a girlfriend later on. She said, you still hate your mother? No, I don't. Uh, you wouldn't be talking about her the way you do if you didn't. And I had to go to mom and say, please forgive me. And I, I didn't say, please forgive me. I forgive you. I, I said it wrong. But boy, from that day on, I, I loved my mother. But I never realized my mother's part in my personality. I was doing. I was trying to set up an interview with Richard Simmons, the exercise guru who used to be on David Letterman. And he said, uh, my friends told me not to be on your program because you're a Christian Howard Stern. And I thought, not that I was dirty, but that I would ask tough questions. And I thought, that came from my mother. Hmm. My dad would ask, uh, well, so what's your favorite color? I mean, he wouldn't, but I mean, the, the colors would not be, I mean, the, uh, the questions would not be confrontational. But mom would get to the heart of the, of the matter with those tough questions. Mm-hmm. And I just really appreciated my mother when he said that. I thought, that's mom. That's mom. Thank you, Lord, for mom and dad, you know. So you've been walking with God for a, a long time now. Mm-hmm. So um, what are your thoughts about God? What have you learned about him um, or what's your relationship with him like, I guess? Well, I, my, one of my favorite verses is 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty eight. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Sometimes you can give out tracts and you think, is it going to do any good? And I remember that verse. And, and also, uh, it's, it's a joy to know that there's joy in serving Lord, the Lord. Uh, when I was going into nursing homes and, and uh, jails in, in Las Vegas, Clark County Detention Center, uh, I couldn't figure it out how many times I didn't want to go in. I'm too tired to go in tonight. But when I came out, I was floating on air. I couldn't figure it out. And one day I came across Isaiah 58.10, When you satisfy the desire of the afflicted, your gloom will become like midday. I thought, wow, because I was putting other people first, the Lord was blessing me. And so when I... Uh, and you were going into nursing homes? Nursing homes, yeah, at that time. And what were you doing in such... Uh, sharing. This is before okay. the pandemic and everything. Right, yeah. And uh, they, uh, they ended up uh, kicking us out because I, I told the truth about the Catholic Church. And, uh, but I, when, I, when I meet my Catholic friends, for instance, I'll ask them seven questions. Number one, who came into the world to save you and me? Was it Jesus or Mary? Two, who loved sinners more when they were here on earth, Jesus or Mary? Uh, three, to whom did sinners go to for their salvation when they were here on earth? Jesus said, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Number four, do we have anybody saved through Mary's intercessions? The Bible. Five, the dying thief on the cross, who did he turn to? Mary at his feet or Jesus at his side? Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. Did he do well? Jesus said that, yeah, that day. And then Closing, uh, if Jesus is my most loving, faithful friend 2,000 years ago, now that he's seated at the right hand of the Father, can you show me that he's lost and he, what he had and what he's lost has been gained by anybody else? So I, I, I look forward to talking to our friends in that when, when, when I was in, going into jail and I would be talking to my black brothers, I'd say, if you're thinking of Islam, keep in mind that Muhammad had four black slaves. He was married to an eight-year-old. We call those pedophiles. He killed over 800 people in his life. He said just before he died, I don't know if I'm going to make it to paradise or not. Now, you can follow him 
or you can follow Jesus. Jesus was born of a virgin. None of you were born of a virgin, neither was I. He lived without sin. He said, which of you accuses me of sin? He uh, healed the sick and raised the dead. And then he died on the cross. I said, I know many of our Muslim friends don't believe he died on the cross, but he rose from the dead. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the most documented fact in all of history. And uh, you study the resurrection, you think, wow, you know, there's no comparison to any of these other teachers. So I, I think about these things, and every day, I'll, uh, uh, just yesterday, I, I brought a couple of uh, uh, All I Had No Sun tracks in Arabic uh, to uh, Washington and 14th Street, which is where they jumped on the cop car here a couple of weeks ago. And uh, uh, I, I went in, I'd, I'd gone to uh, this. Uh, uh, hair parlor next door i saw a man getting haircut he had a bob marley haircut and so uh i went in and uh i said to the the hairdresser and the man i said if you've ever heard of bob marley you get 17 free movies i I look for something that will identify with them and um and then uh to the fellas in that were they look middle eastern i said do you gentlemen read arabic and uh yes yes I said, assalamu alaikum, and I gave them the Allah Had No Sun track, and oh, they were thrilled. And uh, we had done that for five years in Dearborn, handing out tracks to the Muslims at the Arabic Festival, wearing a I Love Muslims shirt. And on the back, John 9, 35 through 38, David Daniels from Chick Publication says, more Muslims have come to Christ through those verses than any other. So uh, I, I look for opportunities every day to get deeper with the Lord. I listen to the Word a lot, and uh, uh, I have a like I said, a hard time reading. If I read out loud, I, I can do it. But when I'm reading, you know, silently, that's where I, I still have difficulty. But um, I, I just look for those opportunities. Uh, one thing that's helped me, too, is uh, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I know that's controversial with some folks, but uh, when I was at the Billy Graham station, I... Uh, uh, I went into a meeting in Montreat, and uh, people had their hands raised, and they were praising God. And I said to Adjur McKay, he had been a Presbyterian missionary in Mexico until he received this, then they kicked him out. I said, Adjur, what does these people have? They have something that I don't have. He said, that's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I, I said, I, I want that. He said, you're saved, aren't you? I said, yeah. He said, uh, okay. He said, uh, uh just, I'm going to lay hands on you. You ask Jesus to baptize you in the Holy Spirit, and then you speak in anything other than English. And so I did. And uh, he said, praise God, you got it. I said, I got what? I didn't feel anything. He said, who said you're supposed to feel anything? I said, I've heard these testimonies, these full gospel businessmen, they see Jesus in a map of India. I didn't, I didn't feel anything. He said, what was your salvation experience like? I said, well, I was five years old. My dad led me to the Lord through a gospel track. He said, did you feel anything? I said, no. He said, the Apostle Paul got knocked to the ground. Don't copy other people's experiences. I said, all right. So I got in the car, and I thought I'll speak in tongues all the way home, because I'd seen it in, the, in Scripture, 1 Corinthians 14, 2, you're talking to God in the unknown tongue, and 1 Corinthians 14, 6, he who speaks in an unknown tongue edifies himself, builds himself up spiritually. And I thought, I'll, I'll, I'll pray in tongues all the way home. No, I'll turn the radio. No, I'll pray in tongues. And I turned on the radio, and my favorite song will at that time was Traveling Minstrel Band by the Carter Family. It was just beginning. In 75 and a half years, that has never happened where I turn on the radio and my favorite song is just beginning. And I remember that verse, we're not ignorant of Satan's devices. And I thought, if what I received in there was of the Lord, I can see Satan pulling a stunt uh, to, to keep me from doing this. So I shut off the radio, spoke in tongues all the way home. 
The next day at work at WFGW, William Franklin Graham's wife, WMIT, uh, I spoke in tongues the whole day and I was ready to give it up. I thought, what good is this? I don't see any benefit of this. And I, I volunteered at a coffee house in Asheville uh, in the evenings. And I was talking to three fellows about the Lord. And as usual, I felt the Lord, you know, you know, give me the words and everything. And then I said, fellas, let's pray. And I began to pray, Will, the most powerful prayer I had ever heard myself pray in English. And I thought, what in the world is going on? This is, this is not me. And about a minute and a half into the prayer, I remember that verse. The Lord dropped that in my passage. He who speaks in an unknown tongue edifies himself. He builds himself up spiritually. And then I started witnessing to hitchhikers. Before that, I, I was great at witnessing, I tell people, to women over 70 and children under four. But to witness to a good-looking girl or a guy my own age, I didn't want them to think I was an idiot. So I, I started picking up hitchhikers and witnessing to them and, and people like that. After about uh, uh, two or three days, I thought, I have to share this over the radio. And uh, we reached portions of seven states on uh, WMIT-FM in Black Mountain, North Carolina there at the time. And uh, so I shared what had happened. Well, when I went into tapes at 9 o'clock, folks in the family, the manager called up. He said, you can't talk about that on the radio. I said, how come? He said, it's too controversial. I said, but it's in the Bible, Acts 2, Acts 10, Acts 19, 1 Corinthians 14. You can't talk about it. It's controversy. Jesus was controversial. You can't talk about it. So I thought if I could go to a, a secular station, a rock station, and not play sexually suggestive songs, maybe God could use me. Well, the number one song at the time was Chuck Berry's Dingling. I thought, I can't play that. Well, they, they hired me at that, sta- that rock station, WISE. They said, we'll give you 150 a week. From uh, you do the six to ten shift in the morning. Uh, we don't want you talking about Jesus, but we'll give you a half hour on Sunday morning. We can talk about whatever you want. I said, okay, all right. So sometimes I take about two minutes to promo my program on 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 Sunday. After about two months, I went into a health food store one day in Asheville. It's owned by a Seventh Day Adventist fellow. They don't believe the gifts are for today. And uh, he saw me. He said, "You're a tongue talker, aren't you?" I said, "I believe the gifts are." today. There's no verse in the Bible that says they're not. He says, why don't you do it for me? I thought, I don't want to show this off, but I remember that verse, tongues are, tongues are assigned to those that believe not. And I began to pray in tongues. I did not know what I was saying for about 10 or 15 seconds. He said, where'd you learn Italian? I said, I don't know Italian. He said, where did you learn Italian? I said, I don't know Italian. He said, you were praising God in Italian. Now, where did you learn Italian? And immediately I remembered Acts 10.46 at Cornelius' house. They heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. I thought, this is as real today as it was 2,000 years ago. A month later, I'm talking to a fellow at a full gospel business meeting in Asheville about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He said, can you show me how this is done? And I began to pray in the Spirit, in tongues. He said, you're praising God in Swahili. Well, I've been to Kenya handing out tracts, but I don't know a word of Swahili. And somebody pointed out the Kenyan guy could have been to my left and the Italian guy could have been to my right and they both could have heard it in their own languages and they, and, you know, and, and, uh, and, and I wouldn't have known what they were saying. I sure appreciate you giving me this opportunity. Well, thanks for um, coming. Uh, I know, it, I didn't know you were down in Farmington. That's not real close. No, that's all right. No, no, I just, you know, I don't mind. I just I spend time with the Lord. This couple uh, at, uh, from my church, 
Uh, my other my other car, it was a 2009 Toyota, was I was chugging up the hill and chugging down. I had 109,000 miles on it. 109,000 miles on it. And I thought, man, this how much longer is this going to last? Because a brother had helped me with the transmission. It cost $3,000 for the transmission. Well, this couple called me up, and they said, we want to we buy you a new car. Meet us at Toyota on Sahara. And so I did, and they had just sold some property, and uh, they give the guy, a, the salesman, a, a check for $28,500. Wow. And it's a, you know, it's a 2020, and I, Allah, it just drives like a top, you know. So, so awesome how the Lord provides, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, so w- when you're speaking in tongues, you, you said you don't understand no. what you're speaking. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. That's, for instance, when I have, Paul says, when, uh, what is it? Then I will pray with the Spirit, and I will pray with the understanding also. When I pray in tongues, I don't, I don't understand, but my Spirit prays. And uh, so, for instance, uh, when I am praying, for instance, for a person, I can pray as much as I can in English, and then I say, Lord, just apply the rest of this for the, this person's needs, and I pray in the Spirit. And when I'm praying in the Spirit, the Lord will say, okay, uh, he doesn't need the, the one thing Tim was, was praying about in English, but we're going to add this other thing. So you're really praying the perfect prayer when you pray in the Spirit and with the understanding also. I've never never felt led to do it in, in, in uh, public. I have a, a problem with churches that allow everybody to speak in tongues at the same time because Paul says if they do that, um, they'll, they'll think you're crazy. I had a girlfriend that uh, I took her to a Pentecostal church one time and everybody was speaking in tongues. And she stopped doing it. She stopped dating me, you know. And so it needs to be done when they're when in service. Let there be a one or two, and let there be an interpretation that the church may receive edification. And so, but it's, uh, you know, there's no way I would have given my testimony at 44 Mormon wards uh, if I had been baptized in the Holy Spirit. There's no way I would have been going into Ramallah, the West Bank, so-called West Bank, the headquarters of the PLO, handing out tracts. Actually, what we did there. In, uh, in Dearborn, we would wear the I Love Muslims, I Heart Muslims shirt with John 9, 35 through 38 on the back. And so when we went into, uh, 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 well, actually, when we went to uh, uh, Bethlehem, Bethlehem is about, uh, in Israel, is about 95% Muslim. Uh, Hebron, pretty much the same way. Ramallah is the headquarters of the PLO, and there's a warning for Jews not to even enter there. They could be dangerous to their lives. Well, I thought one day, I, I was at the Wax Museum in, uh, in, uh, in Las Vegas. I thought, I'm going to get my picture taken with President Obama at the Wax Museum wearing my I Love Muslim shirt, showing him the track Allah Had No Son. I just did it as a joke. When I saw the picture, I thought, my goodness, we could use this where the Muslims live. And on the back of the picture... Put to read Allah had no son. Go to chick.com. They can read the whole track there. So we took 500 tracks, and when we went to Israel, we went into Bethlehem, and I was so scared. I'd confessing every sin I had ever heard, I've ever remembered, and I thought this is it. And uh, we started handing out the pictures, and we couldn't hand them out fast enough. The Muslims would say, "You, Obama," this is when Obama was president, and I said, "Well." well wax museum you know 
And then we went to Hebron, the same thing. Two years later, we went to, uh, we went to uh, uh, Ramallah. And I thought, the word's going to get around that we handed them out there. But uh, the same thing, the same response. And I'm so grateful. God is so creative. He gives you these ideas. And boy, when we move on them, um, you know, I believe great things are going to happen. How would you put the gospel message or Jesus' message in a nutshell? Um, what, how would you put it? Well, I would point out that we've all sinned. Uh, and I would go through some of the Ten Commandments. This is way Ray Comfort does a great job in this. Uh, have you ever lied? Have you ever looked on a woman with lust? Uh, have you ever coveted? And we've all broken God's law. And uh, we deserve hell. And, but Jesus came to save us from that sin. And if we're willing to repent and turn from our sin and receive him into our hearts, uh, we can have eternal life. And uh, I remember one time uh, I was uh, handing out the first tracts I'd ever handed out. This is 1970 at Bughouse Square in Chicago. And I was uh, giving a tract to this guy. He's obviously a drunk. He grabs my neck and he starts pressing on it. He said, I could kill you right now. And his name was... He said, I'm, I'm Billy Kahn. He said, you know what I used to do? And he sticks out his tongue. A fourth of his tongue was missing. He said, they used to call me Big Bad Billy Kahn. I was a prize fighter. I knocked down Joe Lewis. And I looked it up, and sure enough, he, he had. But I found myself saying to him, Billy, you could kill me right now, and my body would be on the ground, but my soul would be in heaven. And I just had such incredible peace. I remember seeing a, a documentary called Faces of Death on how people have died. And I saw some men in Africa that were tied to a uh, tied to a, uh, a stake, and some of them were shaking like crazy, and others were were just just real peaceful. I thought, I know who the Christians are. Those are the ones that aren't shaking at all. They're not. They're not worried. So I I try to point that out that we're all sinners, and that if we're willing to repent of our sin and invite Jesus to come in, we'll uh, we'll have eternal life. And then I encourage them to read the Bible. I encourage them to start with the Gospel of John. I encourage them to, uh, for instance, uh, on YouTube, uh, just to type in Chuck Smith, John chapter 1. And John will, uh, Chuck will take them through the whole Bible. And uh, they'll give them a good biblical training. And that's what's nice about the computer today where uh, we can see this. So then uh, I make sure I want to point out a couple of good churches around where the Bible's taught as the final authority and uh, hopefully uh, get them discipled properly. So when you say inviting Jesus in, you're kind of talking about like putting your trust in Jesus and uh, you're giving him your allegiance as your Lord. John 1, 12, but as many as received him, to them gave you power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe in his name. So that's the key, receiving Jesus. Receiving him. And I tell people the scariest word in the Bible is the word few. The Bible says, broad is the road that leads to destruction. Many are on that road. Narrow is the road that leads to life eternal. And few there be that find it. That's scary. That's scary. Because so many people are, well, you know, yeah, Jesus is okay. You just... uh, they do it their, their way. I think, uh, I, I remember that song, My Way by Frank Sinatra. I thought, when I first heard it, I thought, what a beautiful song. I thought, wait a minute. 
That's about as anti-God as they can get. And then you look at, then you look at Sinatra's life, and it was reported that he said before he died, I don't know who's coming for me, the devil or the Lord, but I sure wish they'd hurry. Oh, to go into eternity and not have that assurance, that is scary. That's scary. You know, so you quoted there from the Sermon on the Mount about um, the way being uh, narrow and few who find it. And um, when I read that in the context of the Sermon on the Mount, Mm -hmm. it it seems like Jesus is referring to um, just everything else that he's talking about. Like if you... um, you know, look upon a woman uh, with lust, you're committing a, adultery. Like mm-hmm. you, you can't live so that people see you and think something of you. And, you know, you can't be um, chasing after your, uh, what your own needs. That's what the Gentiles do. So you have to um, mm-hmm. seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness. Right. So it, it seems like, so that's all tied to faith because you're not going to, um, trust um i mean you have to trust god to give to uh enough to let go of the lust or mm-hmm. trying to be self-seeking and to um walk in this way right. but it does seem kind of like there's some kind of thing to overcome mm-hmm. you know in in ourselves uh through that that narrow road um in fact just a few verses that narrow way and just a few verses later he, you know, says some of you've done, you know, we'll say, you know, you've done amazing things, mm-hmm. but um, you, you haven't done the will of my father. Mm-hmm. So um, anyway, it's a little bit of tension there because um, we are saved um, by grace. And yet there is uh, this thing that really has to be overcome in our life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You have any thoughts about that? Well, you know, um, sometimes I I get in arguments with myself about, you know, uh, am, am I really saved? You know, and uh, I, I think of that verse, "Occupy till I come." You know, I just uh, and then if we confess our sin, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. A lot of times I'll be I'll be thinking about. What happens if other people see me fall? For instance, I have all these stickers on my car, and uh, <clears throat> uh, what if I'm speeding? What if I'm cutting people off? Uh, when I would uh, go to restaurants with my buddies years ago, I would put the glass upside down with water, just stupid stuff like this, just annoy the waitresses. And uh, when I was in Glendale, <clears throat> this is about 1974 or five. I used to work for KHOF, uh, FM and TV there down the street. I was talking to a, a waitress at Elgimax, and uh, she said, the worst customers I have are Christians. She said, uh, they'll be very demanding and leave a small tip or they'll leave a track and no tip. And I thought, wow, Lord, forgive me. I've been such a jerk over the years. So when I, when I go to a restaurant now, I'm, uh, I will give them the track uh, along with more than 15%, 20% or so, 
And then I would say to them, I said, uh, here's some free movies for you. And I hold, you know, hold up the chick track. And I have on the back of the track 12 free movies, fullyfreefilms.com. If you know of anybody who's suicidal, uh, the movie on here will really help. I would have never said that five years ago. But uh, uh, and then, then I, I give them that along with the... And then I say, is your boss available? I want to say something uh, to your boss about you. And then the boss comes. I said, I just want to thank you for having someone like Maria. She did such an awesome job. And one boss told me, he said, thank you for doing this. Usually when I hear from customers, they're complaining. But you complimented her. And I'm able to give him a track. And so keep in mind that people are watching us. I remember Vance Havner, the great preacher, saying, you know, you can have a, a most wonderful ministry, but if you make a big mistake towards the end, people remember you for the mistake and forget all the other good things you did. I, I look at Jimmy Swaggart and, and Jim Baker. People remember those things. I, I mean, I could still, I, I have sinned against you. I, that, you know, you, you don't forget that. But that, the, that'll be the devil trying to remind you. I, I remember I, remember, uh, I was working for a, a Christian station and uh, there was a very attractive girl that worked there who was married and uh, well-endowed. And uh, I remember her saying to me one time, what would you like, me to, what would you like to do to me? Oh, I thought, wow. And I was thinking this morning, if I had fallen with her, where would I be today? We don't know what those things are going to lead to. And so we have to be careful. That's why it's so important to get folks praying for us. And uh, I, just, Lord, I just, Lord, I don't want to make any mistakes. I just want to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. And uh, Lord, keep me from, from messing. I don't want people rejecting you because of me. Do you have any... <clears throat> Like daily routines or weekly routines that's helpful to you? Yeah, I, uh, I'm getting back together with my, 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 Chris, my Chris. We've been divorced twice. I didn't realize we'd been divorced twice. I thought we'd been divorced once. But we've been married 17 years. Well, we're getting back together uh, next Thursday. Chris Goodman is marrying us. He said he'd get a couple of witnesses for us. I said, just make sure they're not Jehovah's Witnesses. And so uh, we're going to get married again. And uh, uh, every day... We get into the Word. Um, we uh, will read a chapter this morning before we left. Before I left, I read a chapter of Proverbs corresponding with a day. Uh, we read the Psalm, and then uh, at night we uh, we generally read a chapter of uh, 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 the uh, the uh, New Testament, and then we'll read a devotion. We had another devotional too this morning. Now uh, I'll read, a, for instance, a Walter Martin devotional. Uh, I, I like a lot of what he says in these devotionals. And he's, he was excellent. He was the Bible answer man. He was great at witnessing to, uh, un, 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 uh, to Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses. But to the Catholics, he you know, considered them part of Christendom. But yet, if you were to ask a Catholic priest, how do you get to heaven? They would say, join the Catholic Church. That's not the way you get to heaven. You ask a Catholic priest, how many, how many masses will it take to to get out for a person to get out of purgatory and into heaven, they won't have an answer for you. And I know a Catholic priest that that, that left the Catholic Church when a, a a woman who had just lost her husband, and they had just had a funeral mass for her. Uh, when uh, when she asked him that, he he left the Catholic Church, 
And so we have to be careful. That's why Galatians 1, 6 through 9 is so important. If I or an angel from heaven, Paul writes, <clears throat> preach any other gospel than what's been preached to you, let him be accursed. It's that the gospel that we're sinners, we repent of our sins, and we invite Christ into our heart. And uh, uh, that's, that's the key right there. And to live each day and, and try to reach as many as we can. That's why tracks are so important. Um, I would hand out uh, uh, 300 a day in Las Vegas before the pandemic. And uh, I remember uh, uh, a Middle Eastern man coming across the, the bridge one day, and I had the track, uh, Is Allah Like You or Allah Had No Son? You can read these at chick.com. And uh, I said to him, Assalamu alaikum, and I gave it to him. And he's looking through it, and he says, what, what religion does this represent? I said, well, this is a religion where you don't have to kill people to get to heaven. I didn't have that written out in front of me or thinking, okay, I'm going to come up to a Muslim today. And I asked him, I said, um, where are you from? He said, Saudi Arabia. And I thought, if I were to fly to Saudi Arabia and get off the plane in Riyadh, and hand somebody a track, I'd be in jail and executed the next day. They'd be cutting my head off. But because I'm in Vegas, Saudi Arabia comes to me. So we never know who we're coming into contact with on a daily basis. And try to keep that in mind. I remember in Hollywood one time, <coughs> I saw this gorgeous girl. And I thought, boy, I want to witness to her, but I don't want to be tempted. So I didn't witness to her. A couple of days later, I saw her picture in the uh, Los Angeles Times, she had been killed by the Hillside Strangler. Hmm. And I thought, oh, Lord. So when I have those opportunities, I want to take those opportunities. The Lord will give us each an opportunity uh, to, to reach the lost while we can. You know, you mentioned your marriage. So you've been divorced twice, and now you're getting married for the third time. Third time, yep. So is there anything in particular about marriage that you can share with uh, Absolutely. us? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, um, when I worked here uh, for KJSL, the old KXOK in Los, uh, St. Louis, um, we lived in Fredericktown. Fredericktown's an hour, over an hour and a half away <coughs> from Creevecore, where the station was in St. Louis. And so... Um, we we bought this house down there for fifty nine nine. It's a hundred year old Victorian, five bedrooms, all fully rewired, uh, two full baths. And uh, Chris said to me uh, when we got got the house, "Are you going to be able to be home every night?" I said, "I'll sure try." Well, I'd leave early in the morning, and I drove back. Um, in two weeks, I fell asleep around Herculaneum. Uh, Four times in two weeks. I said, I can't do this. I'll, I'll drive up on Monday, come back on Tuesday, drive up on Wednesday, come back on Friday. <clears throat> um, maybe you can do that, but when, when you come home, um, <clears throat> she pointed out, you would come home. I hadn't seen you for two days, and you'd be on the phone upstairs for a good long time. Well, I, re I look, at, look back at that, and, and some of the things that I did in that, in that situation, and ignoring her, not spending more time with her, I thought, Lord, please forgive me. And so I told her, I said, we're getting married, getting married next Thursday. Uh, Chris Goodwin, the pastor, is going to be marrying us. And um, 
I said, this will be the last time. We're going to get married for the last time till death do us part. I'm 75 and a half, and she's 60. And so uh, we're, uh, we're, we're staying, staying married now until... But I, I would tell the guys out there, and you know, make sure you spend time with your wife. That's so key. And have devotions with her every day. That's something we never did when we were married before. You know, I'd listen to something on the radio going up, and <coughs> and um, so we we just we did just didn't do that. And uh, do y'all have kids? She uh, when I married her, uh, Jackie was three, and David was four, and she had been in an abusive uh, relationship before that. And they have uh, kids. Jackie has three, and David has two. Hmm. And uh, um, I've not stayed in touch with. The kids, the grandkids, uh, like I should have over the years. And so I'm trying to build back those bridges. I've made a lot of mistakes. Mm-hmm. And uh, I want to say to the, the folks out there, just they're not going to be here forever. You know, make time to, to spend time with them now while you can. And I'm, I'm looking forward to doing that. So I hope the Lord will heal those, heal those relationships. Appreciate your prayers. Um. Well, I'll just kind of share with you, like, my um, experience of interacting with other people who are lost um, and uh, just see if you have any uh, thoughts or, you know, just mm-hmm. to help me along. Or So I do talk with people quite a bit, and I enjoy, and I enjoy just getting into the things that are really important, yeah. you know, just like this podcast. Um, yeah. And many times I'll just ask people, are you religious? And I'll just try to hear about them. And Mm -hmm. if it uh, seems appropriate, I'll go ahead and, you know, or they might ask sometimes, um, um, what about yourself? And uh, I'll just share with them. Um, I'm with a meetup group. And uh, so it gets me out of my own circles with Mm -hmm. other men. It's men's... Plus, the podcast does as well. Like, So, as far as a guest, I've had my next-door neighbor as a guest, and he's an atheist, and I had the neighbor beyond him as a guest. He's an atheist. So, we discuss these things, and I think they un- a lot of people understand the basic Christian message. Like, if I'm... Uh, because I'll many times just kind of explain it. Well, this is what I believe, you know, uh, and I'll kind of go through the storyline of the Bible a little bit. Um. And sometimes in the sauna, which I enjoy going over here to dry sauna, you see people's tattoos, sometimes of a cross or right, praying right. hands. Mm-hmm. And I like to ask, you know, just what's it about? Are you a Christian? Or, mm-hmm. um, But it doesn't seem like, and I guess I'm not like trying to be a salesman or something like that. Mm-hmm. I'm just, it's more of just connecting this is what's important to me what's important to you and we're just talking about it and it would be uh great if like god's spirit just compelled them where it's like i want to know more like can i know um can i know more can you tell me more or something like that but it doesn't normally tend to be like that and i kind of in my way of thinking about it i kind of think like well, that has to take place. Like, this is a spiritual thing. Um, A person to see God and want God, to see their own sin 
it's like some kind of awakening needs to take place. So um, anyway, I'm, I'm thankful for the relationships. I have friends who are either Buddhist or um, Mormon or some other religion, Ath- many that are just atheist, and they know where I come from, and we just get together. We talk about our lives, what we've been learning, how we've been growing, what's been going on. Um, and, you know, maybe someday their heart will change, mm-hmm. you know, something yep. will happen. Yep. Um, but right now, um, you know, it's just just being fr- friends with them. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, yeah. that's good. I, I need to be more like you. I was talking, I was witnessing to a... <coughs> Excuse me. A real estate fellow yesterday, who was Jewish, and uh, um, usually I just get the tracks into people's hands and say some free movies for you if you know of anybody who's suicidal. And he just spend more time talking with people. My approach, when I was handing out the tracks, three hundred a day, actually it could get out three hundred an hour. Is I would rather get tracks in to the hands of people from all over the world, 300 tracks, then spend an hour talking to one person. But the Lord used this guy and is using you now to have me do more one-on-one. I remember this fellow yesterday saying to me, and he wasn't, he wasn't being critical, but he said, you, you need to be more emotional. He said, I, you're very intelligent. You, you come out with these facts. I was giving him facts on how how accurate the Bible is from that interview I did with George McLean that I share at the Mormon wards. And uh, I thought, you know what? He's right. I still remember in 1964 when I went to Columbia Bible College, I used to uh, eat with these two fellows who would just talk about Jesus the whole lunch hour. And uh, I remember one time one of them was crying. And I said... uh, Jim, what's wrong? He said, the world is going to hell. The world is going to hell. And I thought, why don't I have that kind of love? Weeping over the lost like that. I mean, uh, I, I wouldn't be a Christian if it weren't for hell. Uh, it's the love of Christ that motivates me now. But if I hadn't been worried about hell, you know, I, I wouldn't have come, become a Christian. I thought... But then I got, would get to thinking, I thought, what if there is a hell? I remember uh, uh, Dr. Maurice Rawlings, who was an atheist. He was a cardiologist. He was one of President Eisenhower's doctors. But he became a, a Christian, a born-again Christian, when he was resuscitating people, and they were seeing hell. They'd say, don't stop, don't stop. Well, if you're dying, why would you be making that up on your deathbed? These people, and these are different people that are experiencing that. And so, you know, I, I just, I, that's why I'm so thrilled for the opportunity to be able to get into uh, those Mormon wards. I thought, you know, once I've done this, they'll, they'll shut me down. I was able to get to 44 Mormon wards and share my testimony on Testimony Sunday. People can see it on YouTube if you go to the Mormon testimony versus the Christian testimony. I'm about, I'm about 10 minutes in. I had to fill, fill a filmy one time. The Mormon testimony versus the Christian testimony on YouTube. And maybe some of our listeners can, can get to, uh, get to uh, Mormon wards, churches. 
on the first Sunday of the month. I wouldn't go in before the service started. I'd go in a couple minutes later, so they're not asking you what ward you attend and uh, find out where you're coming from. And uh, But then to go up and, and share, you know, you don't have to give all of Joseph Smith's false prophecies. That, you, know, you believe there are men on the moon. And, and uh, Dr. Morey, a uh, friend of mine who passed away, uh, Smith prophesied that people live on the moon dressed like Quakers, live to be a 1,000 years old and are six feet tall. He prophesied that the ten lost tribes of Israel, along with Apostle John, live in a tropical valley at the North Pole. He prophesied that the second coming of Christ and the end of the world would take place in 1891. He prophesied a temple would be built on the temple lot, quote-unquote, in Independence, Missouri, in the generation living in 1823. He prophesied that he would return from Salem, Massachusetts, with many people, quote-unquote, and much treasure, quote-unquote. He claimed to be a prophet. His prophets were false. So he's a false prophet. Deuteronomy 18.20 through 22 says if someone claims to be a prophet, examine his prophecies. If they fail to happen, then he's a false prophet. And so we have so many of these precious Mormons that just were born and raised this way, and they're afraid to leave because they'll be ostracized by their family. But it's so important that they that they follow the Jesus Christ of the Bible and the, not the Jesus Christ of, of, of Mormonism. But... Um, <clears throat> It's so important that we uh, we uh, we get that gospel out while we can. I um, so I, there's a friend through, in the meetup group. He's Mormon, mm-hmm. and I, there's other people who profess to be. You know, they identify with Christianities, and some of these I ask them, well, what do you make of the the atonement? You know, what's the significance? Because I think it's obvious for everyone that Jesus' death is the center of Christianity. Mm-hmm. Even when you walk into the Catholic Church, it's right there, right in front of you, right. his death and resurrection. But the idea of like sacrifice, like uh, paying for sin, seems to be strange to some people. Like it just don't seem to uh, jive with them. But I, I was talking with this Mormon, I, and um, I said, what's the most important thing about your religion? And he said, the most important thing is the atonement, like the, that Jesus uh, died for our sins. So that, I mean, he was um, in this group, um, like he was more uh, atonement fixed mm-hmm. um, than other people who identified with like a orthodox traditional type of Christianity. Right, right. Um, but, but if you ask the Mormon... Your book, Second Nephi twenty five twenty three, says we're saved by grace after all we can do. Mm-hmm. Was it the atonement or your works that get you to heaven? How do you ever know when you're saved? That's why when I would go to the Mormon ward and I would, I would compare what Brigham Young said. Brigham Young said, compare the writings of the LDS with Scripture and see if it stands the test. I said, let's do that. Second Nephi 25, 23 says, we're saved by grace after all we can do. I said, how do you never, ever know when that is? The Bible says in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, for by grace he is saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. It's a gift of God. It's a gift of God. And I repeat that seven times, not of works, lest any man should boast. And then I say, a lot of you women here are very frustrated because your husbands are going to have multiple wives in eternity, and you're going to be pregnant forever. Stick to God's holy word, the Bible. And that's when the men start coming to the platform. And we close with, I close with, uh, for years, your precious Mormon missionaries have come to our home. We fed them. They've never been anything but perfect gentlemen. It was just a real treat this Sunday to be able to return the favor. But that's the key. There's, theirs is a works religion, like, 
like Catholicism. And, uh, but Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 uh, makes it very clear it's not by works. Now, I had a Mormon man get up one time after I shared. He says, well, the Bible says faith without works is dead. That, uh, that does say that in the book of James. But that's talking to the believers. If a believer really loves the Lord, the works will be there. But it's not the works that save you. But to him who worketh not, Romans 4, 5, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. But it's not the works that save us. It's what Christ has done. But because of what he's done in our life and in our heart, we want to reach as many as we can. Jesus said, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Um, I, I, I hand out tracts to kids. You know, they might be above the age of accountability, you know. And uh, uh, I, I say you know, on the bridge when I was on the Excalibur New York, New York Bridge in Las Vegas, uh, the kids would come across. And uh, for a long time, the families would turn me down, you know. And then I, I felt impressed to, to, to address the kids. So when they would come across, and there's a lot of porn that's handed out in Las Vegas. But I would give it to the kids. I would give it to Susie. And I would say, give this to mommy. Tell her it's about Jesus. Well, nine times out of ten, I say that little hand reach up and grab the track and then give it to mom. Sometimes they'll say, no, no, don't touch that. It could be a Mormon family or whatever. And I, I think of that verse, a little child shall lead them. You know, wow, God, you're so cool. You know, so. You know, what are your thoughts about living by the Spirit as opposed to living by the flesh? Um because that, you know, Paul puts that out and he almost puts it out like it's just obvious to his readers that they understand. And and in, I think in Colossians, he does talk about, well, it's obvious what the flesh is. You know, there's mm-hmm. all, he lists all these things. Mm-hmm. But um, walking by the Spirit, um, I think intuitively we understand. But it's for me, it's a little bit hard just to um, put it in black and white words. Well, this is exactly what it means if I want to go out and walk by the Spirit like right now. This is what I would be doing. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts about that? Well, just uh, just be listening to his voice. He says, my sheep know my voice. He's going to be speaking to me. Um, for a long time, I would, uh, uh, I'd have a glass of wine, glass of red wine. I loved red wine. Uh, glass... Uh, because I say, what well, Bible says, drink a little wine for thy stomach's sake, and offer thy infirmities. And then I got to two glasses, and one night I had a whole bottle. I didn't get drunk, but I had a buzz. The next night I had another whole bottle. The third night I had another whole bottle, and I thought I can't do this anymore. And I haven't, I haven't had a drink for what five months or so right now, but I know that the Lord is not allowing me to go back to that. And that's that's the Holy Spirit. Uh, yesterday, uh, I was uh, going out to the post office in Farmington, and I'm driving by this gas station, and I see these three firemen talking to a man in a car. And I thought, I'll, when I come back, I'll, I'll, I'll give them a track. And it was like the Lord prompted me, you need to go back now. And so I went back and I parked the car and I went up to them and I had three of the movie gift cards that you can get from Ray Comfort, uh, livingwaters.com. And, uh, and I had a track, uh, The Beast, uh, and I had the website of Ray on the back. And I said to the firemen, uh, 
thank you so much for your for your service to the community. Here's a movie on suicide. If you know of anybody who's suicidal, boy, they were grateful. They were grateful. And I gave the guy in the car the track, which had the website on it. And when I came back from the post office, they were gone. Hmm. I thought if I had listened to myself, I would have missed them. Mm-hmm. And I might not have seen him in heaven. But I believe because I was guided by the Spirit, directed by the Spirit, and I stopped when I, I was supposed to stop, we'll see some of them in heaven someday. So it's just, it's so important that we're just, you know. And um, I was reading Psalms yesterday with Chris, and uh, I think it was Psalm 7 or 8, where it said, The Lord hates violence. Well, years ago, I used to love the Godfather movies, one, two, and three, and some of those violent. And I thought, the Lord hates violence. If I'm watching a violent movie, the Lord hates that. You know, and I thought, wow, Lord, thank you for pointing that out, you know? And just to be sensitive to what he's going to be saying, what he's going to be having you do, you know? Uh, it's like that girl that I didn't witness to in, in, in Hollywood. You know, it was the Lord prompting me to talk to her. I didn't listen. Two days later, I see her picture on the L.A. Times. She had been killed by the Hillside Strangler. So it's important that, uh, that we listen. My sheep hear my voice. Yeah, they're right on the right side of the, the building. Um. How do you like to connect with other Christians? Like, um, I um, I asked my son this, and he he would say, like, out on the soccer field, you know, I prefer just um, conversation over a cup of coffee. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, other people might enjoy um, being in church and singing together or something like that. Like, how do you enjoy that Christian fellowship connection with other Christians? What's your favorite way to well, in- enjoy that? We're commanded to do it. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. Um, and always keep in mind what the Lord can do through you. He can speak through you to speak to a person that's going through some real tough times. And we don't always see that. Most suicides, you don't find out ahead of time that they're going to commit suicide. They don't talk about it. And then later you think, oh, man. I could have said something to that person, you know? And uh, that's why I, I encourage everybody who's listening to this, whenever they see a, a police officer or a fireman, to walk up to them and say, thank you so much for your service to our community. Uh, here's some important reading, and if you can get those websites, uh, that full website, I'm going to get some stamps, uh, get a stamp made, uh, uh, 17freemoviesfullyfreefilms.com, and put that on the back of the track. Uh, they're grateful. Nine times out of ten, uh, the police officers and the firemen will be grateful and they'll take the track. And there's a high suicide rate amongst policemen and firemen. And so you never know how God is going to use you. And you're not going to see that until you get home to heaven. And there's going to be people coming up to you and say, you don't, you don't remember me, but you gave me a track years ago. And I was on the verge of suicide, and I received Christ as my Savior. And here's my family, and here's my neighbors. And uh, boy, 1 Corinthians 15, 58, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always 
abounding in the work of the Lord for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. That's such good news. So I assume you're retired from radio now, right? Yeah, I just, uh, I don't know where I would work here in, in Las Vegas. And see, we're going to be going into each of the states, each of the 50 states, and trying to hand out 10,000 tracks. We're going to North Dakota and South Dakota in, uh, in July. Uh, and I'm going to be going with Gods10.com and TeamJesusKC.com. They're based out of Kansas City, so I'll be driving up to, to be with them. Then we'll hit uh, North Dakota, South Dakota, and Montana. We've done uh, Arizona, Nevada, and Utah. Well, I think just kind of um, to wrap up with, um, what is it that you know now that you wish you would have known earlier in life? Well, I would have. I wish I would have realized how wise my father was. In uh, God bless you. Bye bye. In in getting tracks to people and the stickers on the on the car, that might seem like a little thing, but I I just know that God is using those stickers. He's he's using those tracks and. Uh, one time I was missing my grandson in Las Vegas, and uh, I told the Lord that. And he said, would you rather see 10,000 souls in heaven, or would you rather see Ethan every day? So that's what keeps me going. It, those tracks that I can get in the hands of people. And, I, you know, I'm, I'm 75 and a half. When you get to be my age... You start looking at the obituaries. For instance, I was watching something on Johnny Cash's life the other night. He was 71 when he died. He's uh, June Carter Cash was 73. Uh, I'm Cher's age now, Sonny and Cher. And uh, I just want to spend the last years of my life, and I think every, every one of our listeners ought to realize that we only have limited time. Every day people are dying at different ages. And we, we want to reach as many souls as we can. Um, and I hope people will go to YouTube and Google Dr. Uh, Maurice Rawlings to Helen Back to see what he experienced when he was resuscitating these people. And if these people were experiencing this, and Jesus, Jesus talked about it. And I remember Barry, Barry McGuire saying, you know, when people swear, they don't say, oh, Muhammad, oh, Buddha. It's always Jesus Christ, you know. And, and people will say, hell no, hell yes, hell no. Boy, it's just like the, the devil is doing his best to, to cheapen these words and to, to water them down. And uh, years ago, it's important for pastors to point this out, too. Uh, that there is a hell to avoid and a heaven to gain. Uh, I did an interview with uh, Robert Schuler of Crystal Cathedral fame, and he had just written his book, Goliath, his autobiography. And I said, uh, uh, Dr. Schuler, I've enjoyed many of your positive sermons, sermons kind of like Paul, Eucharistians, Excel, and all the gifts. I said, but I've never heard you preach any sermons on hell. He said, I was raised in Hope, Michigan with a hellfire and brimstone stuff. I just don't ride that bus. And I found myself saying, well, Jesus talked more about hell than anybody else in the Bible. He said, a servant's not greater than his master. I said, do you have a better approach than Jesus? And he said, well, maybe one of these days I'll, I'll have a sermon on hell. And I look back at that, I think, 
I didn't have that written down. That came out of somebody who failed woodshop. My dad took me to meet Gerald Ford, our congressman, in the ninth grade. And he said, if you study real hard, I'll get you into wood, wood, I'll get you into to West Point. That was the year I failed woodshop in algebra. I thought, I'll never bother that man again. But God can use even the, the weakest of us. You know, um, I, uh, uh, I had a, a friend at the halfway house. I worked at a halfway house in Hollywood years ago. And uh, his name was Roy, Roy Silvernail. He passed away a few years ago. He was crippled. His legs were crippled. And when he walked, he had to walk like this, walk stiff, stiff arm. And yet he would sing Christian songs when he walked down Hollywood Boulevard. And uh, I remember a girl coming in and she was complaining about her lot in life. And, and Roy said, look at me. Well, what can she say? Here's Roy, crippled, but happy because he had the joy of the Lord in him, you know? And uh, I, uh, I was listening to, to, watching Jimmy Swagger before I left this morning, and he was talking about this song, It Is No Secret. He was singing and quoting the words. And I thought, you know, uh, I did an interview years ago with Susie Hamlin. She was the widow of Stuart Hamlin, who wrote the, the song, It Is No Secret, What God Can Do. And... Uh, <clears throat> He had John Wayne over at his house one night. They were talking about the Lord. And uh, as John Wayne was leaving, uh, he turns around and says to Stuart, well, it's no secret what God can do. Well, Stuart goes back and sits down and, and in 20 minutes had that song written out. John Wayne inspired that song. So God is going to use you and he's going to use your experiences for his glory. But always keep that in mind. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Well, thank you, Tim. I appreciate the Thank you for the opportunity, Will. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm.